Hey y'all, welcome to Beyond Just Christian Podcast. My name is Brenna, and today I've got a special guest host, and her name is Lynn Modransky. Today, Lynn and I are going to be talking about her story about living below the poverty level, how it influenced her family, and also how she's grown up with pretty much little to nothing, how to be content in all situations. So before we start this message, I do want to say a small disclaimer. Uh, my podcast edited out of order once again. This has happened before, unfortunately, and when you listen to it, it's not going to be the way I edited it. Like, it just, when I press save, just everything went wherever it wanted to go. Um, and at this point in time, I'm just trying to think of what I want to use for editing my podcast now because this is so annoying when it happens like this. It's just like, okay, cool, it's in order, it's edited, it's good, and nope, just kidding. So I did want to still publish it regardless, though, because this message is so important and I really overall had a fun time with Lynn talking about this stuff and I think you guys do need to hear it whether you are living close to poverty or you have in the past or maybe you know someone who just wants to save a little bit more money and this does have step-by-step how to do that and also how to separate your needs from your wants and I think this message is worth hearing whether or not it's in order so keep that in mind and before we do start this message I do want to say a quick scripture reading and Today, I'm going to be reading from Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 to 14. So it says, How I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me once again. I know you have always been concerned for me, but you didn't have the chance to help me. Now that, Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or with little. For I can do everything for Christ who gives me strength. Even so, you have done well to share with me in this present difficulty. Now this is from the uh, New Living Translation version, so if you like any other version or whether or not you have that version, definitely check out the verse. I definitely recommend reading that. And then also, Lynn did something really cool for us today. So if you guys like devotionals, definitely check out her website link below because if you want to buy a devotional based on um, her, you know, wow, I can't talk. Jeez, bear with me. <laughs> Basically, she has devotional uh, devotions inspired by life, which is 70 plus meditations inspired by whatever is around her. That could include groundhogs. I meant grandkids, not groundhogs. I wrote grandkids and I said groundhogs. Wow, I'm doing a great job of promoting this. Lynn's going to be shaking her head, but that's okay. Um, basically, she has anything inspired by food, her life, her grandkids, and it's just really cool. And she's also given us 20% off if we use her discount code, which is Brenna, that's my name, 20 Again, if you want that discount code, is Brenna20. And of course, that's going to be listed below in the description. So... If you guys are interested in checking that out, please do support small, um, and I hope you guys like it. So let's get on to the podcast, and keep in mind, it's not perfect, but it's definitely worth it. Enjoy, y'all. It's really something we all need to know, and I really want to talk about the beginning of your story, too. Um, preferably when you said that, you know, you and your husband we're in poverty for the first five years of marriage. Now, my main question is, how the heck did that happen? Like, is it something y'all stay for? Or was it something that was just like, okay, we're jumping into this. We'll figure it out. I want to know how that started. Well, it started because I got pregnant right before my senior year of high school. So um, I was raised that, you know, you do the right thing and you get married. And so we did that and we both were raised in families that if you're married, you don't live at, at your parents' home. You, you move out. So we started out in a 22 foot camping trailer. Um, and it was my, my mom and dad did let us park it in their backyard, <laughs> but for the first, oh, several months, we lived in a 22 foot camping trailer. Then we found this beat up old mobile home. It was like 25 years old. And we got it for like a thousand dollars. Wow. And we moved into that for about a year. And then we were finally working after that because then we finally graduated. But we were both working. We were both working minimum wage jobs. Minimum wage was about a dollar eighty-five an hour. Wow. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. That's, that's, that ain't much. <laughs> no, no. When these kids tell me they're making, my, my grandkids make nine, ten dollars an hour. I'm like, you do realize that when I started, I made a dollar eighty-five an hour. Do you want to introduce yourself? Go for it, girl. Um, I, I'm not good at that. <laughs> All right. I'll let you I'll let you introduce me and then they'll meet me more as the podcast goes on. Oh my goodness. All right. So Lynn, your last name is Modransky. I'll make yes. sure I got it right. Her name is Lynn Modransky and she's gonna be talking to us about poverty, uh, share her story and how to overcome it. And I think it's very interesting that you teach people about it because that's awesome. Like not many people teach about poverty and I feel like it's a good thing for everyone to know whether or not you're struggling with it, whether you can help someone else or even just help yourself get out of it. And we, we both had really great families that we knew we could depend on, but they were also the kind of families that you made your bed, you got to lie in it. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so yeah, we, and we both graduated from high school. So we worked and went to high school. Our principal is great. He let us come in late so that we could work late and then sleep in in the morning. We worked, we worked hard. And at the time, uh, the first year we married, the the poverty level was about $8,000 a year and we made 6,000 that year. Ooh. And, and the second year, the poverty level was right around $10,000 and we made $8,000 that year. Oh my goodness. We weren't on public assistance. We just, again, and I, I, I don't want to condemn anybody who is, cause it's not that we think that's horrible. We just happened to, to be again, raised that that's not what you do. And so we didn't even consider it because our families didn't do that. Yeah. Um, but we made it. And I see so many people struggling today with a lot more than we had then. And I just feel so bad for them because it's, it's not that you don't have enough money. It's the way that you're spending that money. And so that's my goal is to help people see that this culture that the world has created, you don't have to fit in with that culture and you can survive and even thrive on a lot less than this culture demands. It's funny that you said that too, because nowadays, have you noticed how materialistic things are? It just seems like one, everything's super duper expensive, which yeah. it's like, why pay so much for a rug or a TV or whatever it may be, just because it's high tech. Or it just seems like, you know, even if things are cheap, it's useless buying, useless you know, mm -hmm. consumption. It's like, why do I need so many, I mean, this is just going to be a random example. Let's just say I have a bunch of uh, candles, you know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, you know, get like wax melters. They'll last you a while. You could reuse them over and over again. I think it's just more like, oh, this is pretty. I have to have it. And I see that a lot with like nowadays my generation. Everyone watches YouTube and a lot of YouTubers have so much stuff. Everyone wants what they have. And it's like sponsorships. You want to get what they have, the makeup, whatever it is. It just adds yeah. up easily. Yeah. And one of the first things that I do when I do these classes, first, I help people find their core values. What is the most important thing to you? Because if you don't know what's important to you, you don't know where to go from there. Because what you do is you grab on to what's important to everybody else because whatever mm -hmm. everybody sees, that's what you want. And the next thing I do is help them distinguish between what, what do you need and what do you want? Because most people don't know the difference. And when you said find your core values, I also remember my mom and I were talking about this too. Um, she says, you know, what you think about most is your idol. And mm -hmm. it becomes a main, either an issue or something good in your life. But at the same time, what do you think about the most? Do you like scroll uselessly looking at stuff online that you don't need? Or do you focus more on, you know, your family or your job? You know, either way, things can become idols. But your yeah, idols ain't going to heaven with you. <laughs> well, and and a lot of times the things you focus on aren't really your core values. If you would really stop and think about what you're focused on, you'd realize, well, that's not what I want. That's not what I want my heart to be looking at. So it's not really a core value. It's just distracted you from what your what your real true values are. The first thing we need to do is just determine what what really is important to me what's the most important thing in the, my life and then because that way we can weed out all this stuff that we buy and it's not really that important and then also how do we kind of determine what is important to us like what if we're unsure of what the main source is that we're 
Well, one of the first things that, that people need to do is really cut down to only what you need and, and really figure out, do I need this? Um, what you need food, you can't live without food, but what kind of, do I need the potato chips? <laughs> do I need the candy? Because we, we sometimes think we do. Um, and then like you need a house and some people be, I need a car. Well, do you need a car? Or do you live in a place where you can take the bus most of the place? Mm-hmm. Where I grew up, you didn't need a car. I was 20 minutes from civilization. You needed a car when I grew up. But on the other hand, a lot of people, what the car they think they need. When my husband and I were first married, we got a new car about once a year because my husband was tremendous at being able to know when to sell a car before it was going to break down. So we would pay, and back then you could do this, we would pay $500 for a car, cash, and then we would run it until Steve would decide, oh, this isn't going to run very much more. And he would sell it for $500. And then we would go buy another car for $500. Jeez, that's a good method. That's a good strategy. <laughs> um, and and the bottom line was, these weren't beautiful cars. They were not one. Luxurious cars and so many kids today. When I go to the high school and I look at the parking lots, I'm just amazed. I'm like, amazed that like, they can afford that. <laughs> exactly. And even as even if their parents bought them that car, why are you teaching your kid that they need that good of a car when they're 17 and 18 years old? Why aren't you buying them a piece of junk <laughs> so that they learn? You 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 work toward. Uh, like right now I'm driving a Buick first car in my whole life. That is a nice car. I just got it last summer, Oh, um, that's awesome! but I'm 57 years old and just now <laughs> got my first wonderful car. <laughs> Good things come for those who wait. <laughs> yeah. But if you're 18 and you have a car better than mine already, what do you have to look forward to? And then your whole life, you're just trying to keep up with that. That's true. You're always going to be looking for the next best thing. Yeah. So, so we have to really look and say, do I really need that? Will I not be able to survive tomorrow? And I mean, like breathe, you need, but people thought you needed that because it was the latest and greatest. Yeah. You need someplace to stay out of the weather. Other than that, we don't need a lot honestly it's one thing too is that if people in the bible way way back could survive on what they had with just everything around them without technology without all the extra stuff we can do it too it's not hard yeah yeah one of the things that amazes me is people that i see struggling and they have um phones that they're paying a monthly fee on i'm like really I don't know. It was a humbling moment because I'm like, you know, I'm generally okay with what I have right now. Like, I don't need it yet. I know someday I might have it, but it ain't now Mm because everything is eventually going to lose its quote unquote value and go down in price. So, yeah. Well, for instance, I, I have never had a top of the line phone. I go buy the go phones at this store and I put my SIM card in there. You know, I've done that too. I can't lie. So my phone only, the kids are always like, oh, how do you need this app? And I'm like, "Um, guys, this app won't fit on my phone. I only have 16 gig memory on my phone. I I can't (laughs) put a lot of crap on my phone. (laughs) (laughs) And they're trying to teach you, no, 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 no. It's going to change your life. No, it won't. (laughs) Yeah, no, I don't need it. I promise you, I don't need it. Yo, phones ain't cheap. Like, I remember for the longest time I had, like, one of those flip phones. And it was, like, the mm-hmm. cheapest thing I ever had. I mean, granted, I love my phone. I'm not going to lie. But, you know, at the time, I'm like, I'm good with just this. And everyone else had, like, those um those pull-out keyboard phones. I mean, I did mm-hmm. have that one point, but not when they had it. And they're like, why don't you get a new phone? I'm like, I don't need it. Or I remember, oh, my gosh, this is in sixth grade. I distinctly remember this. As I still had my cd player and my headphones and i would hold it it was like you know it's a giant cd player like in my lap and my friend had a, an ipod at the time she's like are you gonna upgrade to this i'm like i can't afford it 
Yeah. Now, another thing, too, is you're going with uh, steps and this one, figuring out what's important to you. Do you have any other steps with figuring out what you should and shouldn't spend things on or what you should focus on? Like I said, the number one thing is 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 figuring out what you need. And then probably the second thing is um, making tithing a a part of your life. I, I, I know most people will be like, I can't afford to tithe. I'm telling you, you can't afford not to tithe. Um, my, when my husband um, met Jesus back when we were in our thirties, he started going to church and he never missed a Sunday of church when he, when he first met Jesus, mm -hmm. but he really struggled with the whole tithing and we were struggling financially. It was, it was bad. And I kept every Sunday, I would ask him, John, do you want to tithe? And he's like, we can't afford to tithe. And one time I'm writing out the bills and we can't even make our, we can't make the bills. We can't pay them all. We are, we're trying to decide which bills we're going to pay this payday, which ones we're going to wait till next payday. And I said, do you want to tithe? And he said, well, you might as well, because we can't afford to pay the bills anyway. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> so we, so we tithed. And we didn't have a lot of money. We weren't rolling in money. But from that moment forward, we never had to say, all right, are we going to pay this bill this month or this bill? The money came from somewhere. God gave him, gave us extra jobs to do or he, we would sell something that we didn't even know anybody wanted to buy. It was amazing. And I have so many stories of tithing. Because once you start doing that, God, he like lets you start to see you don't need that. He, it, it like releases from you these cravings that you had for things that you don't need. And so it starts to put that need and want into more perspective just because you're being obedient. That is awesome. Like, it, I remember that one Bible verse that says, do not worry about what you eat, what you wear, you know, it'll be taken care of. And that's. You know, being content in every situation also pops into my head, too. And that's awesome. God will always provide when you don't think he will in the worst times. I love that. It's, it's just honestly so cool. And and it's just, like I said, if you talk to people who tithe, like I said, I have so many stories that I could share. So many. Um, my kids, um, my because we taught my kids to tithe when they were still at home. Anytime they got money, we encouraged them to put 10% in the offering. And by the time they left home, they were already being financially blessed. And I believe it's just because they were faithful from that. Um, my, my youngest daughter, when she got married, they actually went to church the day after they got married because their honeymoon didn't, the plans for their honeymoon didn't start until Sunday afternoon. So everybody was shocked, you know, there they are in church the day after they got married. And the treasurer came to me later and he's like, there was a whole bunch of cash in the offering and I don't know who to give credit for it. Somebody's going to want to claim this on their taxes. And I told him, I said, I'm guessing that was my daughter's tithe from their wedding money and they oh. don't make it enough. They don't make enough. They won't need to claim it on their taxes, <laughs> <laughs> but they've been so blessed They're, I mean, they are just, they've been married, um, let's see, 12 years now and they own their own business and they, and my, my son-in-law, he's a, an ele a journeyman electrician and makes excellent wages. They built their own home. They're just so blessed, yeah. but they started out their marriage honoring God. That's beautiful. That's seriously so cool. Oh, that makes my heart so happy to know that they did that right away too. It's not like, is this just something you went into the marriage with that mindset? I'm going to honor God through this whole entire thing. That's, mm -hmm. that's dedication. See, that ain't easy. No, but I believe it's made a huge difference in their marriage. Um, they, they've, and they've faced some serious struggles. Their first baby was in the hospital for three months when she was born um, and was on machines for another year after she was born. But they yeah. faced that together with God and they went through it. I mean, just having watching them go through it, you can tell that it made a difference that they had God in their marriage from the very beginning. That's awesome. I love that. And I remember you mentioning to me too, that 
when you were, well, you're still married, but you know, when you were younger with your husband and um, you mentioned to me that your children were well taken care of, but they didn't really know how uh, financially scarce you guys were. Is that correct? It is. <clears throat> when my middle daughter went to college, she had to read a book called Nickel and Dimed. And then she had to interview someone who had lived below the poverty level. So she called me and she says, hey, mom, I need to interview somebody who lived below the poverty level. I said, what do you need to know? And she's like, we never lived below the poverty level. I said, yeah, most of your life we live below the poverty level. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> yeah. She's like, I never knew that. I said, I believe it's because poverty is a mental state. It's not a financial state. Being poor is a financial state, but poverty is a mental state. And so we made sure the girls had what they needed. They never went without clothes. They never went without food. We didn't go on vacations. They never, the, the, one of the first vacations we took, we finally had enough money and only our youngest two went. Our oldest one had already moved out of the house. We went to a hotel about 40 minutes from our house and just spent the night in the hotel playing cards and swimming in the hotel. That was our vacation. It was one night. <laughs> I feel like it's a very humbling thing that you mentioned that because you guys had fun and you were just 40 minutes away. And there's so many people who go on cool destinations to Hawaii, you know, across country, different countries. I'm just like, oh, where do y'all get the money? <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. And, and a lot of people, we, I know people who go into huge debt for vacation and we just never would do that. If we didn't have the cash up front to do a vacation, we weren't going on vacation. It wasn't happening. But my children never felt like they were cheated out of anything. We never felt like we were cheated or missing out on anything. So we never felt that, that we were in poverty. We knew that we had to watch what we spent, but we never felt like we were, we were impoverished. Now, when you said poverty is a mental state and then being poor is a physical state, what exactly by that do you mean? Because I know people are probably going to be like, well, what's that mean? You know? Well, being poor is um, basically, it, it's, it's a cash flow issue. <laughs> um, being poor is I don't, I don't have enough cash to, even be able to pay my bills and eat. Um, <clears throat> and you may have to go on public assistance if, and, and that, like I said before, we didn't do that, but I, I don't want to bash anybody who does. But poverty is this mindset that, that makes people get stuck there. It's the poor me. Um, oh, I'm so, I'm, I'm just, it's, everything is just so awful. Um, Steve and I went to, we were blessed to be able to go on a cruise a few years ago and we went to Honduras and when we got off the ship and drove through the towns, those people were poor. Like some of those people didn't have doors on the front of their houses, but they did not. And, and I guess you'd call that poverty, but they didn't have a poverty mindset. They, you, you, the kids were running around in the streets and the people were sitting on their front porches talking and laughing. And so many people on the bus that we, on the trip we took, just, they were feeling so sorry for these people. Oh, look at them. It's so bad. These people, yes, they didn't have front doors. Yes, their houses needed painted, but you could tell they were having fun. They were enjoying life. They didn't yeah. need windows. It never got cold there. It wasn't a big deal. And so what a lot of people on our bus saw as impoverished, those people didn't, didn't think of impoverished. They had a roof over their heads. It didn't matter if the door or the windows weren't there. So it's a mindset rather than a, a state of being. It's cool I mentioned that too, because I mean, I can think of many things I've seen where so many other countries have less, but they're so much happier than we are as Americans. Yeah. And it makes me wonder what we're doing wrong. <laughs> well, it's mainly because we have, we've turned our focus to material things instead of looking at how blessed we are to have family around us, to have good friends, to, to be able to have a, 
a bed to sleep in rather than a mat on the floor? Um, when was the last time that you stood in the shower and praised God because you had hot water running over you? We just take those things for granted. We don't, we don't appreciate those little things that in other countries, they would think they were rich if they had hot water running over their head. Mm-hmm. I mean, I could tell you now, or for example, I was running late today because we had a thunderstorm. It was awful. It was bad. It was right overhead of our house too. We lost power for a little bit, which again, I've lost power before during our ice storm that we had years back and I was, we were fine, but I'm going to tell people, you know, if you lose power, suddenly everything is, is either really fun. Like you make it a game and you have candles, you're relaxed. You're like, okay, it is what it is. Or you start freaking out. Oh no, there's no Wi-Fi. I can't do this now. Blah, blah, blah. And I, I don't know. It's just, you realize when something happens, like say if it's a storm comes about and you have nothing, like no power, what are you going to do? This is what it's like for everybody, but you got a nice house to be in. Yeah. You know, minus no power. So imagine having no power and nothing nice in your room, maybe just a bed if that, and zero, nothing to do besides maybe a book or something basic that you could easily find. Yeah. So it's just like a humbling experience when that happens to you sometimes. And our culture doesn't know what to do with something that's not plugged into a wall. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we, no, we, don't know, we don't know how to play games with rocks or... Um, when uh, when I was a kid, a lot of play, people played a game called Kick the Can. Which, I remember that. <laughs> yeah, which required a tin can. You know, yeah. like, it's, we're talking very, very inexpensive um, games. They don't cost anything, basically. And our, our culture doesn't know that. We just don't know how to do that. We need to go back to being and enjoy the boxes. <laughs> yeah honestly I remember distinctly when I was a baby well, I was probably a toddler more at this time but my dad he would get cardboard boxes that we had left over from whatever and he would cut holes through it make windows of it and then I can color it any way I want and I had mm-hmm. a train you know boxes it was the cutest thing ever <laughs> yeah and you and you probably had a blast I did I was I was yeah. easily amused then I'm still easily amused now <laughs> and it didn't cost a thing exactly yeah. Yes, we, we go out and buy every toy Fisher Price makes and go into debt when really we could just go down to Lowe's and say, hey, could you save me some boxes? <laughs> yeah, for real. <laughs> hey, if you guys are just going, you know, you know, scrap them anyway, might as well use them for us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and seriously, um, when, when my kids were little, I handmade a lot of their Christmas gifts. But what if parents today thought outside the box and you know, I'm dead broke. What can I get my kids? <gasps> I could get them nesting boxes from Lowe's. I could go down and get get them a whole box of boxes and we could spend all day just making things out of the boxes. Most people would think that's a lame gift, but you know what? If you're if you didn't tell your three-year-old you did it because you were so poor, your three-year-old would think you were the most awesome parent in the world. Honestly, yeah. Like we're easily pleased with anything at that age. Yeah. When when my brother um when my kids were little, my brother asked me one year, he's like, what can I get the girls for Christmas? And Tim was out of work at the time. So I told him, I said, just get them each their own pad, blank paper. It doesn't even have to be a coloring book. So he did. And you know, when people ask them what they got for Christmas that year, that's what they told him. We each got our own coloring book and crayons. We don't have to share. (laughs) That's so sweet. (laughs) They thought it was awesome. But we go into debt you know, like as Christmas is especially, I know people who go into debt at Christmas because they want their kids to have the nicest toys and the best. When, you know what, if you make a big deal about coloring book and crayons, your kids are going to think that's a tremendous gift. I could think of so many people's comebacks to this because I'm thinking not in a negative way, but like, oh, here's what someone would say. Well, what if they're older and let's say they're a teenager? What are you going to get them? Coloring book's not going to amuse them anymore. And and it, it, it is harder when they're teenagers. I remember when my kids were teenagers and we did get till we spent a little bit more money on them. But here's the thing. When we got till we were spending more money, they got one gift for Christmas. Mm. True point. Um, and a lot of people can't do that. 
um, one year my, my daughter wanted to learn to play guitar and I'm a musician. I play whatever comes into the house. I, I love to play musical instruments. So that was a priority in our family. Music was a priority. It, you might seem like, oh, that's not very much, but not only that, you're teaching your kids how to save and you're teaching your kids a lesson in that Christmas present. And heck, I think gift cards are even greater because if you don't know exactly what the person wants, they can get it themselves. It's great. Yeah, exactly. And that's what my dad did before. Like, even just a ga- uh, gift card for gas. I-, I loved it. I'm like, okay, thank you. I need this for this week. Mm-hmm. So you still can stay inside a budget that you have. And and even your teenage kids, people have teenage kids now. If they want something that's bigger than the budget you have, you might put it in an envelope with a picture of that on it and say, here, I'm starting your savings. And and every birthday and Christmas until you can buy it will add to it. With being a teenager, I feel like I wish I could have started working a lot earlier than I did because I started working my senior year of high school. And I really wish someone would told me save more when you're younger. I mean, I didn't spend much as a teenager, but still, it seemed like I I didn't really have the correct mindset once I graduated high school, what I was going to do financially. Because, you know. Yes. <laughs> and, and one of the best things that you can do for your child is is teach them how to save. Um, when I went, when I was a teenager, um, I started working pretty much as soon as I got my driver's license and I put half of my paycheck, every pay in a savings account. And we got to remember it was only $1.85 an hour. <laughs> so I made like, Oh, maybe 50 bucks a pay. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That, geez. It's, it's crazy to me because I can't imagine just getting $50 in a paycheck now. Like, I wouldn't be able to survive. <laughs> yeah, so I would put half of that. So today I would tell kids with what they're making, I would tell them to put 75% at the savings account because it's, your parents are paying all the bills. You don't need any money at all. Exactly. So put the biggest chunk of it. You know, back then I put half in, but even now, if you put all but $25 in, $25 if your teenager should do you, you know, unless maybe you have to put your own gas in the car or something, but. $25 just spending money is not bad for a teenager even today. It's um, not. Like, if I know I'm just going to go out to maybe, like, look at books. I'm, I'm, like, the same way I was as a teenager. I love to go to bookstores and look at books where you get a coffee. I'm satisfied with my week. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, just something simple. Or even, like, an arcade day that's, like, not that expensive. Like, mm-hmm. a cheap arcade. Like, you know, there's you can be creative of anything. Have a picnic. Yeah. Well, I was going to say when, when my husband and I, our first date was um, a picnic at the State Lake. It cost nothing. We still have so many memories of that day. We talk about it all the time. We tell our grandkids about it. Um, it, We need to get back to that. How, how can I have a good time without spending any money? That is the main question to ask. <laughs> yeah. And and if we get creative, there are a lot of ways to do it. Um, there there are picnics. There are, there are libraries. <laughs> if you're a book person, um, I take, when my grandkids were little, I used to take them to the library and spend an afternoon at the library. That's what I would do. And, and our library has a corner for kids where they can actually play with Legos and stuff. Um, and they have puppets. So we would play there for a while. And then we'd sit on a couch and read a book. And then we'd end the day by picking out two or three books for them to take home with them. So we got her a guitar. But that's the only gift she opened that Christmas. Mm-hmm. And so that's something you have to decide. If you if you do have a teenager and you are do want to spend a little bit more money on them, you need to decide, can that be the only gift they get? Am I willing to do that? Because most people aren't. Most people have to have a stack of presents under the tree. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm laughing to myself because I'm just thinking about when I was a kid. I'm going to admit, I was an only child. My parents had the money. They they spoiled the hell out of me. I'm not going to lie. Um, as I got older, again, gradually, slowly, but surely, it seemed like less and less presents. And now as an adult, I don't care if I get one thing. I'm happy with it. But I just remember as a teenager, my... um. Parents were like, yeah, 
we're sorry we didn't get you as many gifts. I remember opening maybe, I mean, this is a lot to some people. It wasn't that expensive, but like maybe 10 simple little small gifts. Like, you know, when you had some candles, notebooks, stuff I will actually use. Mm-hmm. But they had to apologize. They're like, we're sorry we couldn't get you much this year. It's been a tough year. And my dad stopped working overtime. You know, they cut a lot of people's hours. It was financially a rough year, plus health issues going on in my family. But uh, so, you know, they apologize. I'm like, I don't care. You know, I mean, it's like, it's a, when you're a kid and you get everything you want and you don't have a family who is not able to get you things, you kind of have to humble yourself throughout the years as you gradually get older, because one, you, I mean, you start realizing what's actually important to you and what's not, but also because it is a little shift change and you, it's like, well, I can get this myself if I really want it, you know, Mm -hmm. and stop expecting people to get you the best gifts ever. Like that, I mean, I. I don't even want to know how much was spent on me as a child because I would probably open my mouth and I was in the jaw and like my jaw would hit the floor. Like <laughs> I would probably tell him what the hell you were y'all thinking. <laughs> yeah. But you know, it happens. The older you get, the more you realize what's actually valuable to you. And you realize what your parents sacrificed to get you what they did. Yeah. And, and, you know, like even for my grandkids who are, um, the oldest two are teenagers now. There have been a couple times when they had something they wanted, but it was outside my budget. And I got them a gift card to go put with the money that they were saving, you know, but yeah. it didn't cost a thing. I know. And like, all you need is like a membership and then you're good. You sign yeah. up, your address, your phone number, you have a uh, library card. It's super simple. Exactly. Um, so th- there, there are a lot of things that, people can do and not feel like you're being cheated out of stuff because you didn't spend any money. Um, and if you don't want to stay poor forever, because that's the thing, if I mean, you can do whatever you want to when you're poor, but most people are going to stay poor forever because if you spend all of your money and don't ever save it, if you don't ever look toward the future, you're going to be poor forever. And my goal, I tell people, I said, let me teach you how to be poor so you don't have to be poor forever. <laughs> it just sounds fun when you word like that <laughs> yeah another thing too is that i my mom says well if you're gonna go out spend money on an experience versus materialistic thing which we kind of talked about briefly earlier but experience are so much better than just adding a collection of whatever to your room like yes just go out and do things you might never able be be able to ever do again Two years ago for Christmas, um, and the my adult do- my daughters are adults now. My um, oldest one's forty. Um, two years ago for Christmas, my husband said he said I want to take the girls to a Pirates game, and so that year for Christmas we splurged and we spent a little bit more money than we normally do, and we bought four Pirates tickets, and the girls on they all on Christmas Day all they got was an envelope that said, uh after we're done opening gifts, we're going to pick out, pick a date for pirate tickets. Um, uh-huh. So that's all they opened was just an envelope that said, you got a pirate ticket coming. And then after we were done opening gifts, they spent time picking the right date. And, uh, and they, the, the four of them went to a pirates game together and they all loved it. And my girls aren't even really baseball um, enthusiasts. They like it, but they just had a good time with their dad um, as adults, like I said, we're talking 40, I guess, 38, 32, um, 34. They were then, you know, <laughs> they weren't yeah. little kids and they, it was the experience. So it, it, it was their extra lunch money, but you're right. Even if every, even if every payday people say, oh, I can't, I don't have enough money to save, take $5 out of your paycheck and put it in a savings account. Every little bit matters. Yeah. It adds up. It adds up. I just remember too, I am one of my friends, well, a lot of my friends have kids, but specifically, I remember I would bring change to my friend's son and just give it to him and he'll be so excited over a dollar and change. Let me tell you, he was the most ecstatic. He's like, you're giving me this. It's like I gave him a new puppy or something. Oh yeah. (laughs) You know, he was so excited and he would love, he would always like kind of like shake his pig bank, see how much more full it's getting. And (laughs) I remember he's like, I have a dollar. I could pay for this now. I'm like, you need another dollar, buddy. <laughs> but yeah. it would add up quickly. Like he started learning 
okay, this I could afford, this I can't, this I need to save more of this for. And mm-hmm. this is the sweetest thing. I, he was only eight or nine when I gave him money the first time. He was so ecstatic. Yeah. Yeah, my um, my youngest two, who are now seven and nine, they um, they had they already have started like if they want something, their mom will tell them, "Well, you better save for it." So they already understand the the concept of saving for for something you want and having that money put back. Um, so you never can start too young, helping a person understand the value of money. And when a kid has to buy something themselves, they think a little bit about it. Do I really want this? Or do I just think I want this? Yeah, for real. And, and also, I know a lot of people say, if it's something that you know is going to last you for a while, like whether it's well built or let's say if it's like a pair of jeans, you know, you're going to wear that are really good quality. Um, who would I talk to? Oh, gosh. I remember someone tell me it's once and done. You buy that good quality and it lasts you for years. Mm-hmm. Instead of just buying multiple and hoping it works for you. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it depends on what it is. There are some things that, yes, um, my dad used to say it only costs a nickel more to go first class. And so there are some things that, yeah, you if uh, if it's something that's supposed to last for 20 years, make sure you buy something that's going to last for 20 years. Um, another thing too, I feel like is a really good thing to mention is that if you know that you're financially struggling and obviously you said something similar to this earlier, but savings are so important to have a savings account or even just a piggy bank, whatever you prefer for each family member and just put money in there too. Cause I know a lot of people tell me that poverty is so bad because no one had family savings. There was nothing passed down. So mm-hmm. it all starts with you. And God forbid something happens, at least you have something to help your family if you ever, you know, are deceased or, you know, something happens like family emergency, medical, whatever, just always having some form of saved income, just save it, save every little penny you can. Yeah. Even if it's like, we have a jar in the bedroom, it's an old water jug and we throw our change in there. And I can't tell you how much is in there, but I would venture to say there's a hundred dollars in there and it's only a quarter of the way full. That's pretty good. Yeah. And that's all we do. Steve's dad used to keep coffee cans full of change. And um, at one time, I think he bought a boat with his coffee cans of change. Oh my God. Dang. (laughs) Because he just, he just. Um, he just, that's all we did. He just put that. So even if you're in a position where you're like, well, I can't save any money, take the chain, use cash more often. Don't use a debit card, use cash more often, and then take the quarters out of your pocket at the end of every day and throw them in a jar. And that's all you have. That's what, that's actually how my kids had lunch when we, when they were young, if they wanted to buy their lunch, um, usually we packed a lunch to save money, but occasionally they would want to buy a lunch and I would come home every day and I would put my change in a jar. And if there was change in the jar, they were allowed to take change out of the jar to buy their lunch. Some things now, cause you mentioned jeans and jeans are one of my, uh, <laughs> they're one of those things that all of my life I've seen people pay lots of money for jeans. When I was yeah. in high school, especially you could buy jeans. Well, Back then, an expensive pair of jeans was the same as almost a cheap pair of jeans. But even now, no matter how good a quality they are, jeans last the same amount of time. I'm sorry. hate to burst your bubble. All you people are paying a lot of money for jeans. But my, I don't ever spend more than $15 on a pair of jeans. And my $15 jeans last just as long as somebody's $120 pair of jeans. That's true. So... So yes, there are some things that yes, spend the money on it because it's good and it's going to last you and you, you need to just get it, bite the bullet and do it. And there are other things. Um, no, you're just paying for the name. Yeah. Uh-huh. Usually just the name. Oh, that made me think, you know, you see like a white plain shirt at Walmart. It's like four bucks. And then you go to say nike it's like a hundred dollars i'm like what's the difference one has a logo (laughs) one doesn't exactly exactly yes 
And that's awesome. Plus, it's good father uh, daughter bo- uh, kids bonding time. That's awesome. And yes. yeah, it's cool. You said they're not they're not baseball enthusiasts, but they still had fun with their father. That's great. Yeah, do be smart with how you with with the way that you especially clothes more than anything else. Um, if you if you're struggling with finances, clothes are the number one way that you can keep that budget down and that's hard for some people because they like the latest and greatest and biggest and best oh Um, because it's trendy (laughs) yeah now when my kids were younger i always bought clothes off season if you if you're looking for ways to save money i always bought clothes off season because you can go to you can get some of the especially better clothes for under ten dollars if you buy them off season that's actually like, just what I did the other day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Usually um, my kids in, in when they would start like school, they would have stuff that we bought in April, March or April <laughs> because, because I bought it off season. Um, no, it's smart. It's a good tactic to save money. You find everything for discounted or like, you know, they'll raise up the prices when it comes closer to that season. You need something for. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So there are, there are a lot of ways that you can, that you can save a few dollars here and a few dollars here and they add up. And I mean, and when you're not struggling, then it's, it's not as big a deal. I mean, you want to be responsible with your funds, but whatever you want, you know, but if you are struggling, stop, (laughs) just stop making it worse for yourself. Um, And that, and that's, what's really just, uh, it's, it lays heavy on my heart. When I talk to people and they tell me, you know, they're, they're like, they're telling me their money woes and then they'll, uh, invariably they'll say, and I just bought and I'll look at it and I'll be like, why, <laughs> why, <laughs> why did you spend money on that? When you just told me you're struggling with your money. Yep. Yep. Oh man. I feel like also some people like to buy things as a way to escape their lives or mm-hmm. again, for distraction because if I'm feeling sad about whatever I'm gonna buy this pair of you know this purse let's say mm-hmm. a purse and it's gonna make me feel better I'm gonna love this purse but then you never ever use it yeah and people do that stuff all the time mm-hmm. it's the stuff yard sales <laughs> are made of oh my gosh you find so many useless things at yard sales you're like why did this person buy that <laughs> exactly exactly yes it's why when you go to yard sales there are tags still on some of the things you bought at a yard that you see at a yard sale gosh it's it's awful and then also when you said um you know ways to save money is I remember writing some stuff down so one thing is one of my bad habits was I would subscribe to so many different like stores I'm like I want to know when the discounts are coming I want to know when their sales are here and even when there's not sales, I always get so many emails. We got this going on. This is new, 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 new. I'm like, why did I do this to myself? Because now I'm going to want to look at it more. And I'm now I'm going to want it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, and, and I, some of them just keep coming through. I'm like, I thought I unsubscribed to this one already. <laughs> it's like, they know that I don't need it. And they want to like lure me in. It's like a fish on a hook. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think that's I think that's why it's so much worse today in America than it was a hundred years ago, because now we have it in front of us all the time in ads on social media and ads on television. They're always telling us what we need. <laughs> oh, you need this, and they're very convincing. These guys who do marketing <clears throat> are extremely convincing. Oh yeah, <laughs> we have to get a mindset. I don't need that. We need to just learn how to say that. I don't need that. And and one of the things that I do that pe- a lot of people think is crazy when I'm because I we are finally in a position in our life that um I I could go out and buy whatever I want. We we we've been blessed and um we've come from that that state of being below the poverty level to to being blessed. So but I still have this mindset of I don't want to go back into being poor. So I, I watch what I spend. And one of the things that I do when I'm shopping is I pray. 
I pray a lot when I'm shopping and I'll be walking through JCPenney and I'll be praying, Lord, I'll find something that I like. It's like, oh, Lord, do I need this? Should I buy this or should I? And, you know, and sometimes I'll feel this sense of release, like, yep, go ahead and buy it. And sometimes I'll feel this, this, um, just this tenseness inside me. And it's like, nope, nope, I'm not supposed to buy that. I'm not, I'm going to put that back on the rack. And I know it sounds crazy to people, but you know what? Pray. When you go to the grocery store, pray, <laughs> let God guide you as you even just buy your cereal. Like, I know it sounds crazy, but I'm telling you it works. So pray before you buy. I like that one. I'm going to write that one down too because I, I got to do that more. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, it really amazes me how I do. I just, sometimes I'll feel the sense of release. And then other times I'll just feel my insides getting real tense. Um, and when I feel that tenseness, I know, no, 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 I'm not supposed to buy this. I'm hanging <laughs> this back up. And questions to ask yourself too, which I'm going to tell, I'm sure you know, but for everyone listening is to ask yourself, where is it going to go? Is it going to fit in my room? Mm -hmm. Am I going to actually use it? Do I have something already that looks like it or is useful like this? And, you know, one thing that I like to say is I love when I don't have as much stuff because everything looks a lot more clean. Do you want to look messier? Um, yeah. Is it going to fit? Like, or do you have to worry if people judge you for seeing this in your room? I don't know what it could be, but it could be anything. Yeah, basically, how many times am I going to use this? How many times will I use this? Um, I live in a very small house. We only have 800 square feet in our house. Um, mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm very, very much like, where am I going to put this? Um, and, and will I use it? Kitchen gadgets get me sometimes. Oh, yes, they really do. <laughs> no, they seriously do. <laughs> I'll be looking. I, my sisters love to go to kitchen stores. So when I'm with them, we'll go through the kitchen stores and I'll be like, oh, wow, this is really. And then I look at it like, like I have a, um, a pineapple core. It's really wonderful. And I use it about four times a year. Now, really, is oh, that no. worth it for four <laughs> times a year? No. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So that's one of the things I've got until I start to ask myself, how many times a year will I actually use this? Because if it's less than once a month, I don't need it. I'm already functioning without it. I don't need this. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah, I can think of so many things just by looking at my room. How else am I going to use it? I mean, some things were gifts, and I feel bad if I don't use them. But other things I bought, I'm like, huh, you know, it's like kind of like my book collection. I read it once, and I'm done because I, I – Years ago, I told myself, okay, I won't only read a new book a year. It can't be something I already read. So all my books I read once are just sitting there on the shelf. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and then I have, I have a whole stack of books that I haven't read yet. Oh, no. <laughs> yes. I, I am. Uh, I will. And I, I'm really horrible about 99 cent books. Oh, my if gosh. Yeah. CBD and Ollie's both have a lot of 99 cent books. So, you love Ollie's too? Yes. I love their book section. Oh, love it. I just got, the, oh, I, I just got some, I just bought four books from there and I also got a Bible case, which is really freaking cute, which that I definitely use, but yes. Oh my gosh. There's just, there's so much stuff there. You're like, do I want this carpet? Do I need this rug? They got a <laughs> lamb. Oh my gosh. It's, it's insane. <laughs> I know. And again, you need to be praying. You need to pray hard when you go to Ollie's because the stuff is so inexpensive that it's easy to say, oh, yeah, I can afford. No, you be praying. Lord, do I oh, really need this? Yes. And um, OK, so one thing I started doing, uh, my mom and I, she used to help me with my receipts. Like we would add them in the you know, check like checking book and write everything down, yada, yada. But she would go over my receipts with me. So we, what we did is every single month we would see what I added up in coffee. Cause I make coffee more at home now, but before it would be constant, like going to stunk. Uh, what am I trying to say? I'm mixing up the words, going to Dunkin', going to Starbucks, or maybe a coffee shop nearby that is a lot more expensive than Starbucks mm -hmm. for a cookie and a coffee, whatever it may be. And then we would add up what I um, bought in food. We would add up what I bought in, you know, personal fun going out time or clothes, whatever I like to spend money on. And let me tell you, $80 worth of coffee in a month, which is a <laughs> lot. Um, food, I, I'm not going to say it on here because it's too embarrassing. Um, 
Like, if it's food for my house, it's one thing because I'll eat it. If it's food going out once and done, you know, say one night or two, it's still more than the groceries I bought because I didn't have to make it. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) it it added up super duper quickly. And I'm just like, oh, oh, that was like for me, one paycheck. And I would always tell myself, okay, if I get paid, let's just get say I get paid $10 an hour. Thankfully, God thank god it's more um i'm very blessed there but say it's ten dollars an hour and i want that coffee that's five bucks that is half my paycheck and one hour gone Mm -hmm. yeah now if you add it up in the week let's say i work 40 hours in a week you know whatever math you want to do there still that's a lot of money spent just on the coffee throughout the week and that's like part of my paycheck goodbye and it's not even the bills that i have to pay Mm mm-hmm yeah, one of the first things that I do with people when I work with them um, with their finances is I have them for a week actually keep track of how much did I spend um, on everything. And then when we get back together, we go through it like you like you did with your mom. And we we get become aware of I just gave McDonald's three hours worth of pay this week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, Um yeah, because we we need to be aware of where our money's going. What you said earlier is to use cash more than card because the card you just swipe it, mm-hmm. and you can't see how much you're spending. I mean, maybe you have an app on your phone, let's say, but either either way, if you set yourself yourself um a limit, like okay, this day I'm only going to spend thirty bucks when I'm out, and that's what I'm going to spend. You know, today I'm not going to go over. And I'm, I could keep track of what I'm spending. I get change left over. Mm-hmm. Okay. I like to say, stay five bucks out of what you're spending in cash that day. This way, if some reason you have extra or you know exactly what you spent, you know? One of the things I recommend to people who are really struggling with finances, and this is not my idea. I don't know if it came from Crown Financial or Dave Ramsey, but it came from one of their, one of their sites is get envelopes and write on the outside groceries. Um, uh, gas, whatever you spend money on that, that's a necessity. And if you want to, even if you want to fund money envelope and put every payday, put so much money in that envelope and that's all you get to spend on that thing until the next payday. And yeah. um, it really helps a person who is struggling with finances see, okay, it, you just, are more careful about where you're spending the money and then allow yourself to take whatever's left over in that envelope, maybe take half of it and put in your fund money envelope and half of it in savings. And so it encourages you to spend a little less because now I get to do something constructive or fun with what's left over. Exactly. Exactly. And that's actually a really good point is um, Dave Ramsey's book. I haven't actually read that yet. And I feel like I should because I'm not the worst financially, but I know I could do a lot better. Mm-hmm. I'm at because I'm 26. I'm almost 30. Like halfway to 30 is very nerve wracking. I don't know how to feel about this. <laughs> and um, you know, I could do better. I know I could be more financially stable. You know, not paycheck to paycheck sometimes, which is not all the time, but still, I'll, I'll humble myself and say I could do better. Um, <laughs> but you know. I really got to read that book. Is that, have you read that before then? I have not, but I have, I've read a lot of Dave Ramsey's. I've been on his website a lot. And then um, Larry Burkett and Crown Financial. I, I've, I've never paid. They both have paid programs. As I said before, I don't pay for very much. <laughs> and um, back when I really needed it, I couldn't afford to pay for it. And then I kind of learned by trial and error how to do things. So I've never paid for it, but they both have even a lot of good free resources on their websites. Um, Who was, I highly um, recommend um, Larry Burkett. It's I, I'm pretty sure his is crown financial. His, then, those last is Peckett? Burkett B U R K E T T. All right. Thank you. Yeah. He, I, I, I believe he's passed on now, but he was like the Dave Ramsey of my thirties. And uh, his his training has gone on after him. Um, but both of those gentlemen have a lot of good resources on their websites that can help you if you're, especially budgeting. They both have budget, like budget calculators and um, recommendations like that kind of stuff on their website. It's really good. Ooh, and also 
isn't a Dave Ramsey the one who had my church actually had a financial peace university um kind I of thing? Yes, I believe that is Dave Ramsey. Yeah. Okay. I was going to say, because if your church offers, you know, not yours specifically, Lynn, because I know you taught at your church, but if anyone else's church offers a financial course or even just some means of, like, getting your stuff together, definitely check it out. And if your church doesn't have it, I'm sure you could search other churches in the area. So it's like Zumba. You just type in where you want to yeah. find Zumba and it pops up. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think I think that... Uh... The Peace University, I think if you go to their website, they even might have a list of churches who have offered it. I'm definitely going to have to check this out after this episode. I should have done that beforehand, but I didn't even think about that. I didn't either until, until you just mentioned it. But I, I believe it's been a while since I've been on either one of those websites. But I, I know, like I said, that the resources on both of them are exceedingly valuable. I highly recommend Crown Financial and Dave Ramsey, both of those. I wrote that down and I like the envelope method that you said too, because that one's actually a really good idea. Like physically seeing it in front of you, mm -hmm. taking it with you and having it in a safe space, even that works really great. Yeah, it, it just makes it easier, especially if you're trying learning how to spend money. Um, it just makes it easier to to make sure that you're staying in your budget. All right. So also Lynn, I have three more questions before we're going to end this. My first okay. question on three is besides everything that you already said, are there any other suggestions you would have to save money? Oh, I think I've, I think we've just about all of them, but I, I guess I would just emphasize the one thing that most people don't think you can do if you're trying to save money is learn to tithe. <laughs> I know it's crazy, but I'm telling you, God blesses those who are obedient to that. Um, he said in Malachi, uh, bring into the storehouses the tithe and see if I won't open the floodgates and pour out my blessing on you. It, God's math does not work like our math. And it seems backwards to take 10% off the top and give it to God. And then like, I can't pay the bills anyhow. How am I going to take 10% and give? But I promise you, it makes a difference. It says God works all things for the good of those who love the Lord. I was going to ask, are there any verses in the Bible that have helped you, whether it's through financial struggle or just even life in general, or just verses that inspire you? My, my favorite Bible verse is Romans eight twenty eight. Even the things that we think are horrible, you know, even the fact that I, you know, lived in poverty for a while, God has used that for good. And my only job is to just love him. If I love him, he automatically uses every situation in my life and works it for good. And that just, especially when I make mistakes <laughs> and I start beating myself up and thinking, oh, I'm, I really messed that up. No, I just have to love Jesus. That's all I have to do. And God will use this for good, even my mistakes. And that. so that's the one I go back to all the time. Amen for that. And then also, lastly, is there any blogs or anything that you have or, or any socials where people can find you or maybe learn more? Yes. Um, LynnModransky.com is my website. And fortunately, I have such an unusual last name that if you type Lynn Modransky in any search engine, you will find me. She's one there of the kind folks. Yes, there are only like 20 Modranskis in the whole United States, and I'm the only Lynn Modransky. <laughs> so, um, yeah, you can find me on Amazon, pretty much any place books are sold. I, I uh, have devotionals and Bible studies and, and uh, some children's curriculum that you'll find. Uh, so, like I said, that's, that's one. My name may be hard to say. It may be hard to pronounce, but it's very easy to Google search me because... And uh, you'll find my Facebook page, Twitter page. Uh, I have an Instagram. I'm not on there much, guys. I'm sorry, but I do have an Instagram. So are they all under your just your name then? Every single every single thing is under Lynn Madransky. Okay, good. Just check. I was like, all right, this makes it easy for me. I can just type everything there and just copy and paste. Yes, <laughs> yes, yeah. I I used to I used to use my initials R L Madransky, but then the further I got on, I changed everything to Lynn Madransky. So it's so it's easier to find me. 
That's awesome. And then also, you definitely got to, if you want to, you don't have to. I can always look it up myself. But if there's any specific either children's curriculum, I can't say the word curriculum. There we go. Or any like devotional that you love the most that you want more people to see, definitely send those to me an email. I'll definitely post those. Oh, thank you. I would love to do that. You're welcome. Post- this way I know which one's your favorite. And I could definitely be like, yo, read this one. Yeah, I, 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 uh, my, one of my most recent devotionals called Devotions Inspired by Life, where I tell how, how just things in my life have given me aha moments about God. One's about a Dairy Queen ice cream cake. That's one of my favorites. (laughs) It's so random. (laughs) It is, it is, but yeah. Um, yeah, one, one's, they, several go around food because one's about an egg McMuffin. So there you go. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Yo, I love that you guys sent around food. You should just call it food devotionals. Well, they're all there. Well, there's more than food because, like, one's about a bat. Um, their animals have inspired me, just different things in life, just teach me lessons about Jesus. And that's the whole book is just different things in life that have taught me lessons about Jesus. That's so. awesome. That's so cool. It's funny, but cool at the same time. Yes. But so, again, yeah, I will send you that link. Yes, please do. I'm excited to read them too when I have time. I'll probably do it tomorrow. But anyway, Lynn, thank you so much for being on this podcast. It means the world to me. And I had so much fun doing this too. Like, I love just chatting back and forth too. Yes, thank you so much. I, I have enjoyed it also. Sometimes you got to reprogram in your brain and like make yourself believe it. Mm-hmm. Yay. Thank you so much for coming on here again. I really, oh my gosh, this is so much fun. I don't want the end. I'm kind of sad. (laughs) And don't be afraid to reach out. If you ever need me to share anything that you post or any write or whatever it is, don't be afraid to ask. I don't bite, I swear. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Hey y'all, before we close out on this podcast, I do want to read something from the Bible. It is from Matthew chapter 6. Originally, I was going to read from verses 25 to 28, but I'm going to read for the whole entire thing until verse 34. So verses 25 to 34, it says, This is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food or drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant, harvest, or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are to him? I kind of ruined that little sentence there, but, you know, continue on. It says, can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. Yet Solomon in all of his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully about the wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So do not worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly father already knows all of your needs. Seek first the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. Lastly, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. And that's how I'm going to close out. Hope you guys enjoyed listening, and have a great, beautiful weekend. Bye!